Welcome to the podcast, a monthly podcast brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. Your partner in strategic relationships and business development. We are your hosts, Aubrey Darden and TJ Dennis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have two very special guests from here at Pi, the first of which is Gianna Venata. Gianna is a director at Pi and, among other internal teams, helps facilitate roundtables and can be frequently found running in-person events in the U.S. and Canada. On any given day, you can find her excitedly fine-tuning Pi's capabilities in the client advisory board space. Prior to joining Pi, Gianna was the Director of Development at the Montana State Alumni Foundation. Our second guest is Richard Wagner. Richard's an Associate Director at Pi who, outside of the impactful work he does convening groups of C-suites in the U.S., EMEA, and APAC regions, happens to bake the single best focaccia you may ever taste. Richard holds a bachelor's degree in political science and a master of public administration, both from Montana State University and convenes metaverse exchanges at Pi. We're actually in the process of writing up a blog about a little bit more of the VR work and metaverse work that we are doing, which you can find on our website, profitableideas.com backslash blog. But let's jump into our interview with Richard and Gianna. Hi, Gianna. Hi, Richard. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. We're so excited to have you both. Happy to be here. Good to see you both. Thrilled to be here. Thank you. Great. Well, we're here to talk about something really exciting, which is a new service offering that you both have had a hand in creating and launching out to our clients, which is the metaverse, which is something we've all likely heard about, but I doubt many people know what it actually is. So Richard, I'd love for you to start us off by just telling us a little bit more about what the metaverse is. Like, what are we even talking about here? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the best way to really describe it is a, a collection of technologies that's in, entirely interwoven with, with one another. So this can include, uh, you know, online worldwide web, uh, you know, portals, you know, whether that's a website, a, a Teams call, a Zoom call, and it can stretch as far as augmented reality, you know, the, the technology used to envision what kind of uh, bedside table looks good in your bedroom, um, or it can go as deep as virtual reality. Uh, it really spans the gamut here. You, know, you can include video games, which is what it is often in reference to, or it can be meeting rooms that uh, you, know, you, you want to bring colleagues or friends together in. A really great way of thinking about it is just mentally replace the word the metaverse or the term the metaverse with cyberspace. They're essentially interchangeable about 90% of the time. And, uh, you know, neither really refers to any one kind of technology, more so an amalgamation or an aggregation of different technologies that can all communicate to one another. Oh, that actually helps clear that up quite a bit for me. When you when you describe it as that, I'm like, oh, I get it now. It's it's like the, the wide web. OK, this makes a lot more sense. OK, and but I, there's oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, you know, it, it, it's much more um, forward focused, too, and there's a good chance, uh, you know, maybe that won't stay the term forever either. You know, well, there may be a next generation term. It's totally fair. Well, okay, so so 
when we think of virtual reality, I say we, I mean, when I think of virtual reality, I associate it typically with like gaming, gaming or like the consumption of media, you know, like jumping into virtual reality to watch a sports game and, and view different angles or using VR as a way of being a part of a movie or behind the scenes or things like that. So has that changed recently or, or is that maybe this is a question for Gianna, like has, has that notion changed at all in the metaverse or what is it the same is it just an add-on what does it look like now yeah it's a great question tj i think it's part of the reason why there's so much movement and excitement around the metaverse and particularly when it comes to virtual reality or augmented reality so traditionally when you've we've heard about vr headsets like a decade ago you remember when these were coming out and it, you envisioned like your kid putting on their VR headset and playing a game. And that's really where everyone was living for a long time. And whether it was by coincidence or in response to, you know, we think about the pandemic, I feel like that was probably part of the disruption that spurred it, is we mm -hmm. saw this growth in this application for other industries. And the list in terms of the applications goes on and on. Um, and we're happy to provide some examples, some of the ones that we, we talk about that I think are not only exciting, like, wow, that's cool, but have really major benefits to kind of global society is like healthcare. Um, you know, what's the implication? What's the advantage of using VR in healthcare? When you think about surgeons training for um, major heart surgery, you know, typically that training was, was lived in the textbooks and then on-site training when Mm -hmm. Something came up, an emergency, a, a surgeon in training could race in and, and maybe view and observe alongside. Now in virtual reality and augmented reality, you can allow for training opportunities in the medical field so that when that surgeon in training goes into their first, you know, maybe it's one of our loved ones um, that they're, they're doing surgery on you can rest assured that they've had X amount of hours and, and maybe it doesn't replace real world training per se, but it's another level of opportunity for them to train in. There's tons it's, of application. Oh, go ahead, DJ. I was just going to say, it's like the hands-on stuff when doing hands-on stuff is difficult. In theory, you could be practicing or training hands-on sitting on your couch or in an office or waiting for a plane or some other scenario. Yeah, exactly. And even even some other implications too, like law enforcement, they have law enforcement um, agents who are practicing major judgment calls and critical decision making under stress in, in fully immersive 3D environments and virtual reality, you know, training them up for those those situations or those circumstances that'll be very much so real life, but having some practice in that decision making process. Real estate, I mean, I think we, we heard about people taking tours of of houses in the pandemic um, via FaceTime with realtors. I know it was happening out here in Montana. Um, and whether it's for commercial level properties or perhaps it's a, an individual home buyer being able to tour a property in virtual reality that's across, say, across the country. Um, certainly we could go on and on, but education and learning and development, manufacturing is a big one that we've seen applications for and that we're keeping a pulse on. Um, so those are just a couple of examples of of how the implications are impacting business. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Well, 
Richard mentioned that you can even use it to see what kind of side table looks good in your bedroom. And if anyone at Pi knows me well, they know I love interior design. So maybe not as important as, you know, open heart surgery, but it's an application I can see in my day-to-day life. Um, So just thinking about how all the opportunities that this presents, I'd be curious to hear from your perspectives, you know, what kind of opportunities does this present for for the folks that we work with? And how are we leveraging this with our clients? How is this changing the way that we help our clients convene communities of executives? Richard, maybe we'll start with you. Yeah. So, you know, I I think I'll jump in first to really the, the first thing that we've offered our clients, which is the opportunity to bring together peer communities in a virtual meeting room. Uh, you know, of course, we can all sit in the Zoom room, and, and we've all been doing that for the last two and a half years, you know, or to thanks to, to COVID. But that that certainly has created um, familiarity with that. It often lets people's minds drift. You know, they, they, can be, they can become distracted and perhaps start looking through email. By bringing them all together in virtual reality, it really provides a fully immersive experience where the audio is, you know, it's called spatial audio because if someone's sitting to your right and they're talking, you hear it on the right side of your head. If they're in front of you, you hear it very clearly. If they're behind you, they're they're behind you. And it's it's a little disorienting at first. Yeah. Um, I know Richard and I love the hands features too. That one is kind exactly. of a wow factor for, yeah. for anyone who's putting on a VR headset for the first time. And one of the apps that we use, you can put your um, controllers down and your hands are are identified by the cameras on the outside of your headset. And you've almost after the first five to 10 minutes forget that you're in a virtual world because your hands are moving and we have photos of people who are who have the headsets on and they're talking with their hands just like they would normally. Exactly, yeah. And so I, I think exactly as Gianna is saying here that there's something really novel about that experience here, right? You, you, you don't get that every day. And, while of course we we put together this agenda and you know provide the a similar value to what we're providing our clients otherwise in a you know in a two-dimensional format on teams or zoom or webex or, or whatever platform you also get to provide both the client and the the members of a community the opportunity to try something new maybe it's something they saw their you know their their, their grandkid or their kid doing a little bit and they maybe not really understanding it all that much. I think we've all been at that point where we're like, oh, that, that silly headset, they're just playing with that again. Um, it lets them just really try something brand new that, that no, not really anyone else is doing at, at that moment. While of course it is just a slightly cartoony looking avatar of yourself, it's that, it's that first step into, in, into, a, into a world that has truly no physics, no, no bounds to it. Uh, but yeah, that's just kind of my take on it here, Gianna. I'd love to look at you as well here. Yeah, I think about side of the wow factors we've, we've kind of experienced in convening communities in virtual reality. It certainly has implications for the, the broader globe and for broader industries. And it seems like the majority are very much so in a watch and learn right now. But there's mm-hmm. such a level of unfamiliarity that it's actually a really opportune time for our clients to maybe be for some of the first to introduce their prospective clients or their existing clients into a world that the entire globe is talking about, that globe being this, this 3D virtual world. 
So I think what's exciting for Pi as a partner is by us leaning into, you know, being familiar, being able to convene executives in this way, it's really going to help level up our clients. And from what we've heard, allowing them to open the door to the opportunity for, again, their clients or prospective clients and be the first to say, look how cool this is. Now let's talk about the applications and the implications. It's also interesting in our conversations with some of our clients, where everyone's at in terms of the level of embrace. Like I said, there's some that are in that watch and learn stage, they'll call it. And then there's some that are making major bets into embracing virtual reality. In some cases, you know, headsets for their employees in the masses. Um, In some cases, their clients have made, especially within the retail marketing channel, that VR presents are making big, big bets in that space. So, um, you know, our hope is whether it's helping our clients step into the world for the first time or helping them help their clients step into it for the first time, that it's at least building familiarity into what the technology is and what it can do. Right. It's just those reps. I mean, not to circle back to heart surgery reps, right? But it's like you the the fact of getting into these rooms, convening groups, doing it, understanding every time you see the technology improve. Yeah. We I mean, all, I, like you're like scaling with it. Sorry to interrupt, TJ. I, no I love the point that you're making because if you rewind the clock and and being a millennial, I mean, cell phones were kind of just there, at least for me. Um, I don't remember, you know, the first cell phone coming out, but I can only imagine the level of unfamiliarity mixed with excitement when this seemingly new technology came to be and it didn't have a cord attached to the wall, right? Um, so I think that there we're living through an interesting time um, and how and kind of almost like a case study of how people look towards embracing a technology versus not. So yeah. in along the lines of embracing a technology, I guess my question is how quickly do we find that the end users of VR headsets become quickly acquainted with the technology? I've only used them, I'm going to say a small handful of times, big fan of the fishing game, by the way. Um, But, but uh, like, I I found it a little bit disorienting. And then you take like 15 minutes and you're like, I feel like a natural. Is that, is that seem to be like par for the course for everyone? Or is it is the technology we're using a little more advanced or less advanced? I guess I'd be curious for like the learning curve. Yeah, uh, happen to jump in here. So I, I think you're right on the money there. For the most part, whenever we, we work with people and introduce them to this, we see that, you know, that the first five minutes, it, it's a little bit harder to figure things out. You don't know how to point, you don't know how to click. You know, it's everyone's first time on a laptop. Um, then you get a little bit more used to it. And yeah, by that 15 to 20 minute mark, people are pros, people are changing settings that maybe they shouldn't be changing. You know, they're, they're just, they're really exploring at that point. Uh, and that's something that's really fun to watch is, you know, just uh, uh, childish giggles really coming through in these calls when, when we get people set up on the headsets. Um, as you mentioned, there is a certain level of disorientation first at the beginning. And then sometimes also at the very end too, you know, this technology is, especially at the consumer level, if you're not going to pay $5,000 for a prototype, very top of the line headset, they can be a little bit heavier. You know, they're not going to be the most perfect optical, uh, how do you say it, screens essentially. Uh, yeah, you know, after an hour or two of use, you may want to take a little bit of a break from it. <laughs> you know, it can get a little bit heavy um, and maybe your eyes are a little bit confused, but ultimately it sounds like, and especially from what we've heard from those that we've we've brought into these environments, 
they like to come back and then revisit it, whether it's for a meeting or maybe they go onto YouTube VR and they, they watch someone scale Yosemite's half dome in their perspective, which if anyone has it, they should try it. It's, it's terrifying. Well, and to Richard's point on the, you know, the kind of the heaviness of the headsets, I think what's even more interesting is to look at the, those who are placing bets and investing into hardware development. Um, Meta, Apple, Microsoft, Google, it's almost like there's a bit of a race right now on who can develop the best, the best headset, the lightest headset. Um, I like to attribute to the one, and I know the three of you here can see the, the large headset over my shoulder here. Um, we're almost to like that block phone, right? The big flip block phone that flipped open and you had to hold it in two hands. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what each of these companies rolls out and how quickly in the next even year um, in terms of lightness, ease, and in some cases, do you need a headset? Mm. So lots of questions to be answered in the next year. Cool. For sure. I like to I like to think we're in our sidekick era right now. You know, the yeah, there you go. Sideways. <laughs> Love oh, the such sidekick. a classic. <laughs> <laughs> so one question I would have uh, I think with the emergence of the metaverse, a lot of people have feared that in some way VR is going to replace in-person gatherings. How do you see those two fitting together? Do you view it as a replacing in person or do you view it as maybe a supplement to when folks can't travel as much like during the pandemic or um, you know, if they want a more environmentally conscious way of convening in person, um, in person in quotations, of course. <laughs> um, I'm curious how you see those two things intersecting as VR and the metaverse become kind of pro proliferate more, if you will. I mean, maybe this is a personal perspective. Richard, I want to hear what you have to say, too. Um, I don't think anything replaces in person in terms of interactions with other human mm. beings. So if we talk about the benefits of VR and convening, I see it as very similar and not necessarily in, in replace of, but very similar to jumping on a Zoom or a Teams call it's a, it's a way to gather and interact with others who maybe aren't right down the hallway. Um, so I, I see, and I don't even see it replacing necessarily those two. I think that there's a time and a place and a benefit. I think in some cases, when we think about like education and learning and development, um, that's where I am a little bit torn in terms of its replacement. And I think about just the college students or even, you know, lower levels of education in terms of high school and primary. I think about some of the remote learning that went on the last few years. And I question whether VR could be a, a better use in terms of virtual convenings for those groups because mm -hmm. of the attention span opportunity, like being able to have focused conversation, no distractions around you. Um, there's some, a lot of interesting kind of thoughts and perspectives as it relates to almost like the democratizing education, um, just opening up more opportunities for those who maybe don't have them in education um, when they mm -hmm. put on a VR headset. Um, that was a long-winded answer to say yes and no, Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll add on to that and say I, I fully agree, that especially with, I don't think an in-person 
um, you know, experience is going to be replaced necessarily by VR. Like, uh, Aubrey, if you and I go furniture shopping, I don't really want to do that with a headset. I'd rather go and do it. Um, that said, I, I think right now we also are looking at somewhat of an uncertain you know, economic landscape in 2023. And so many of, it brings back to the terms of, you know, the executives that we get to work with here, both clients and, and members alike, they all have, you know, certain budgets for travel that they get to use, whether it's for conferences, dinners, whatever it really may be. And I think looking at a certain economic landscape or, you know, a landscape like that which Europe is facing right now with, uh, you know, increasingly high energy costs, et cetera. VR does present this opportunity to the next best thing. Maybe they can't fly from, from France to Belgium, but they can get close enough and they can still have mostly a normal conversation or, you know, uh, maybe I can't fly to New York, but, you know, we can get pretty close. Um, and, and I think yeah. it's just a small supplement. It's not, it's not a full equal footing but it, it, it's somewhere right in the middle um and I, think, I like the word supplement richard that's a really yeah. good way to like kind of yeah. capture vr in terms of convenience to supplement not a replacement yeah it's like in-person asterisks right yeah like it, yeah I, I i like in-person asterisk and i also like the effect that yeah you can't get distracted we've all been there where you're in a meeting and you're only 91 percent in that meeting because you're worried about your food cooking, or you're worried about the email you just got or whatever it is, and you are distraction feature. I mean, yeah, it's, it sounds really interesting. I guess my, my last and final question, total toss up to both of you is like, what's the, t the associated timeline of doing this? Let's say you're like a company of 10, but every single one of you lives in a different city. And you were like, we want to start doing Friday huddles, all of us on VR. Like, what does that take? What? That's a that's a maybe a really naive question and very open ended. But like, what's the what's the timeline of doing something like this? I mean, I'll I'll just start. I I'm gonna always go into the gray area. Uh, but theoretically, if everyone had an hour to 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 get offline, it was already Friday morning, and you live somewhere near a large technology store. In theory, two to three hours. You know, including drive oh. time, you could get set up and you could be meeting with folks in VR. Uh, yeah, wow. You can, you can. It's incredibly, it's an incredibly populous technology. It's very accessible if you have the cash for it. Gotcha. Well, to piggyback onto what Richard's saying and just getting the headset, there's already tons of applications that are built within, you know, the, the we'll say the Metaverse VR app store. Um, we Pi have played in a couple of them now. And um, certainly even some that are tailored to specifically the workplace. So really it would set, be someone sets up a virtual reality conference room. It's already pre-built. They send the invitation to their team. You put your VR headsets on after picking it up and you should be ready to go. Um, and to your point, TJ, that first time, just a little bit of practice and building familiarity, where we find that people skill up and it becomes intuitive pretty, pretty quickly. Cool. I thought you were going to tell me it was like, oh, yeah, you need to practice, you need to have a user agreement, you need to do all these things. But it sounds like it's, I mean, if at that scale, it's pretty straightforward. Like you just jump on in, which is which is good to hear. Um, thank you both so much for your time. This has been really interesting and really informative. Um, and 
I'm now thinking back on all of those times that I've spent it and thinking about all the disoriented disorientation or the learning curves. And I'm like, yeah, but I like kind of want to go do it again. Cause I wonder if I'm going to be better at it as strange as that may sound. So thank you both for your time. This is really exciting. Um, it's cool that Pi is doing this also for clients. So thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. Thanks for having just, us. Just going to add on to TJ. I admittedly was a skeptic coming into this interview, but you two have converted me and I can't wait to try my first meeting in the metaverse. So thank you all for coming here and enlightening us and sharing your expertise. We can't wait to, can't wait to share this, this episode of the podcast out. Come by one of our offices and that goes to, to everyone listening as well. And we're always happy to meet you in the metaverse. We'll always get you set up there. Thank you for listening to the podcast brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. If you enjoyed the content in this month's discussion, please visit our blog at ProfitableIdeas.com or check out our books, Never Say Sell and How Clients Buy. Profitable Ideas Exchange, connecting powerful minds and making the world smarter and smaller.